Sir Ian McKellen brilliantly plays Gandalf, and in the third film, we know him as Gandalf the White. I believe that his costume kind of has like a sense of mythology to the character. Am I on to something or am I just making this up? You're just making it up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but I love it and you stick with it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Elizabeth, it's here, the season finale. Three seasons, Spencer. We've done three seasons. Wow. And this season has been a season. It's <laughs> It has been a wild ride. Yeah. Like just from, you know, I feel like this season, like we really like hit our rhythm in terms of like how our episodes are formatted mm-hmm. and, you know, the just amount getting... of guests we had was absolutely exhausting in the best way possible. Yeah. I mean, it was suddenly we had interviews with Colleen Atwood and Deborah Scott and Catherine Martin and it just kept on Aggie Rogers it just kept on going it kept on going and going (laughs) and like I I I don't know I'm like I'm proud of us that we like figured where we fit into everything and yeah I'm I'm very proud of what we delivered this season and with that being said we still got more coming up in the new year so thank you all so much for listening this year it really has been a wild ride and I'm very very proud what were what were some of your favorite episodes (laughs) oh man Spencer (laughs) I know I'm like I like I also like I'll think of something and then I'm like, wait, was that season two? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I loved our Catherine Martin March <laughs> and our spooky October series. Like, first off, Catherine Martin March, like a getting to speak with the legend herself. That was incredible. And then, like like you said, like our interviews have just been so amazing because then we come to October and we get to speak to Kate Holly. Like, what is happening? Yeah, that, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes was the Crimson Peak with Kate Holly. I mean, we were working on that one for so long. So when it actually happened, it kind of was like, is it actually happening right now? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I loved the Penny Dreadful episode. That one's like kind of near and dear to my heart yes. because I thought it was going to flop disastrously <laughs> and everyone loved it just as much as we did. And I had yes. so much fun doing it. Oh man. I mean, I could go forever and ever. But... I know. I also love that episode because like, that's like, it's one of those times where I'm like, oh, this is a full circle moment where the two of us have loved something and talked about it for so long. And it's like an influence on like us as artists um, and content creators. And then today, I feel like we just made <laughs> 
our ultimate full circle episode. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind. I just can't even. <laughs> just a few more episodes I had to shout out to was uh, I loved doing The Last of Us, Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, Blade Runner was a particular favorite of mine because. Oh, yeah, we did that this year. Yeah, I feel like that one was really, really cool. And what we like learned about the costumes and of course, I have to say, I really loved the Mandalorian episode, uh, the interview I did with Shauna Terpsik. That one is something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. And I'm glad that we all get to look back on that episode and just hear her voice and learn about her process and her love for creativity. So that's an episode I really enjoy and proud that we did. And yeah, like you said, here we are for the most full circle episode <laughs> that we could ever possibly do. Elizabeth, what are we watching today? Today, we completed our Lord of the Rings trilogy, which probably most of you <laughs> have not heard. This week, we listen, or we watched The Return of the King. Oh, man. Yeah, so Elizabeth hinted at this, but we the first two movies of The Lord of the Rings we did for our Patreon series, which uh, didn't exactly take off. No. But those episodes are gold because Elizabeth yes. and I are drunk in both of them <laughs> and we really have a good time. So instead of we were really sad that we didn't get to finish the series. So we we're like, you know what? What better way to finish this season than with the Return of King, which is also celebrating a 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. So. And I love it for us because like I'm like, we based our friendship off two things. Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> and we've been watching these movies. I mean, we said in the last episode, but these movies and the costumes are like so integral to the directory of our lives, actually. Oh, yeah. I I got my first costume design job because I said how much I liked Lord of the Rings in the interview. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's literally watching the behind the scenes. That's how all of this started. <laughs> Yeah. And for me, I just feel like my creativity and imagination just stemmed from reading and watching the Lord of the Rings and enjoying the costume. So let's get into it, Elizabeth. I'm going to hit us with a summary. The Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, the conclusion to Peter Jackson's epic trilogy based on a timeless J.R.R. Tolkien classic, The Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, presents the final confrontation between the forces of good and evil fighting for control of the future of Middle-earth. Hobbits Frodo and Sam reach Mordor in their quest to destroy the One Ring, while Aragorn leads the forces of good against Sauron's evil army at the stone city of Minas Tirith. And that is to return to King. And boy, did that sound nerdy reading that out loud. <laughs> but I love it. That's why we love Lord of the yeah. Rings, though. It's, it's our childhood nerdiness. And then just, I mean, this is probably me going a little bit too deep into it. Um, one thing I haven't watched yet is the like biopic of J.R.R. Tolkien. It, it's on my list for this holiday season, actually. But like getting older and like you learn about his life and the history that like surrounds his writing of The Lord of the Rings. Um, especially just like with its commentary on like war and like what it means to step up in times of trouble. I'm like, it, I feel it resonates even more now as an adult 
then like as a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, look, it's Eowyn and Arwen and I want to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's always been about like the idea of just like having to step outside and do scary things and, you know, find courage in yourself to rise to the occasion and push yourself across, you know, borders that you never thought you could ever surpass. That's what I've always loved about the Lord of the Rings. Uh, take us behind the costumes, Elizabeth. Yes, we are going behind the costumes with director Peter Jackson and costume designers Nyla Dixon and Richard Taylor. Uh, you will know Nyla's work from Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Xena, Warrior Princess, The Last Samurai, for which she received an Academy Award nomination, Dracula Untold, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, and this year's Peter Pan and Wendy. And you'll also be seeing some more of her work in the upcoming Madam Web. Mm, I'm excited for that one. I love me some Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, we don't really have a behind the costume facts uh, because... <laughs> it's actually happening. We actually have costume designer Nyla Dixon here with us today to talk about the Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm freaking out right now. You're freaking out. We, we, we haven't really been able to even like talk because we're just so nervous yeah. and ready to go. <laughs> but uh, So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking with the legend herself, Nyla Dixon. nerds well this is a moment we have all been waiting for elizabeth and i are honored to welcome a cami award-winning costume designer nyla dixon nyla welcome to the podcast hi thank you we're very excited to talk to you we you know elizabeth and i talk about your work all the time and when we kind of talked about having you on the podcast we kind of just laughed at each other and thought there's no way we could even find her at this point yet here you are so <laughs> Thanks yeah, for coming. no, the timing's really good, actually, isn't it? it? At the moment, New Zealand time works well for um, the US right now. So, yeah, we had to do a little bit of math, but we're here, so let's let's get into it. Uh, so, this episode's coming out on December nineteenth, just two days after the twentieth anniversary of the Lord of the Rings: Return of King. So, before we jump into it. When you hear that, where does your mind go? Because me and Elizabeth, I mean, it's hard for us to even 20 years. That's crazy. So uh, I don't think about it. <laughs> does it feel like 20 years? Yes and no. Some parts of it seem like yesterday. I'm still incredibly close with a lot of the people who mm -hmm. worked on Lord of the Rings. We continue to work together you know, our lives cross paths. So, um, and a lot of the things that um, I learned on Lord of the Rings has, you know, has helped in film world for me. So um, sometimes, as I said, it seems like yesterday and other times it's a land far, far away. 
<laughs> well, to me, it feels just like yesterday. I remember seeing this one specifically in theaters. Not really the first two, but this one I remember because it started off so scary. Um, but before we get into Lord of Rings, having worked on such iconic projects such as Hercules and Xena, and of course, Heavenly Creatures of Peter Jackson, how do you feel those experiences prepared you for the challenge of working on this massive trilogy, especially since I read multiple times that you were unsure about leaving Xena to work on the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I mean, change is scary. So yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't so much about change. It was the good time that I was having on Xena and Nurk. And um, both of these instances really informed a lot of things to do with Lord of the Rings. Obviously, with Heavenly Creatures, I had worked with Pete before. Um, So, you know, and I would say that it did give me some understanding. It ultimately didn't give me enough understanding of, you know, what we were all diving into. But that was the best and the worst of it anyway. I certainly learned... on heavenly creatures that, you know, when Pete has an idea and a view and a number, you need to produce it. Right. And, and, you know, or woe betide you. So it's, it's, and that was more about, you know, his deep disappointment if you fail to uh, provide. (laughs) Um, So even, you know, working on a film like that, which was just low to no budget, it, he still had such high expectations. Um, and Xena and Herc, well, fast turnaround television, you know, um, an episode every 10 days, doing the two shows simultaneously. Um, I had a staff of about 70 people by the time I left. Um, and that was all about invention, you know, like we were still not in the world of um um, you know, internet access, or uh, you know, all of that reachability. So much of it was still research-based and general experimentation and, hey, what a good idea, let's give it a go. And um, all of those attitudes, which absolutely informed all of this kind of work, fun, experimental, you know, <laughs> Anything went, you know, it was, um, um, you know, and if you failed on one, you could pick up that idea on another one and follow it through and figure out something um, there. And as part of that, I was surrounded by so many really brilliant young creatives out of art school, off the street, you know, um, because New Zealand didn't have a... um, we don't have the institutionalization, if there is such a word, of costuming, of filmmaking that the rest of the world has. And a part of me kind of misses that that has gone with all our inter- interconnectedness. I felt that our separation, our imagination, our sometimes completely wrong understanding of how something was done or built really took us down roads where no one else went. But of course, now that's that that's taken out of your hands. <laughs> uh, let's get into the Lord of the Rings. Obviously, costume design plays an essential role in bringing Middle Earth to life. 
How did you approach the challenge of creating costumes that not only fit the characters, but also contributed to the overall visual storytelling of the film, especially with the added challenge of shooting three films at once? So what did your like prep and continued work look like over that time period? I think uh, Alan Lee was really important to me that to have those guys, the illustrators um, who were so steeped in um, in Lord of the Rings and Alan being such a sweetheart in his um, malleability, really. You know, like he will have drawn something and I would go, hey, but what if we, you know, and he was always, he was just an incredibly open person. And he would take from things I showed him or things we talked about and it would just he would just draw it into his world so um grant major um Alan Lee creatively massive massive you know like we we were right next door to each other in that shite old building that we were all working in (laughs) (laughs) and you know in between wind gusts and Wellington and it was um you know, it was it was the place to go and sit and take a deep breath when you you know when you're deathly afraid. Sometimes the pressure was crazy, and oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, we started late. I can't remember. I I do remember, and again comes that naivety. Uh, I know that our prep time was crazily short for a mm-hmm. show of this magnitude. And again, in a way, what you don't know really helps you, you know? (laughs) I mean, if you knew you should have 20 weeks or something, you know, or more to develop these kinds of ideas, um, it would have seemed way more um, impossible to do. Right. Yeah. Um, But I had read Lord of the Rings when I was in my 20s, and I I never went back to it. At one point, I made a call that I had so many people who were obsessed, deeply um, obsessed with Lord of the Rings as a story, that I decided that my best approach to it was to, um, I guess, helicopter, you know, like be the aerial view, see it as... Mm -hmm. um, see it as worlds and create those worlds and then fill them up with people. Oh, and um, and so I was just really interested in creating very strong individual worlds, you know, and a simplicity to it, which really suits the books and the worlds that he created. I think it's um, you wander a really fine line with something like this is if you get too detailed, you start to lose your the cohesiveness of a real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what that's what I was always looking for. You know, what are the fabrics of the elven world? What's the color of the elven world? What is the background? Um, you know, to the hobbits, what makes the hobbits different? And um, you know, and I feel every time I, you know, to talk about this, I will be endlessly repeating whatever it is you've read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. none of those things particularly change. Um, and the hobbits, in fact, I meant to look for it, but I was in such a hurry this morning. I mean, I've got a folder here of all the original sketches and things. Oh, um, wow. 
and the doodles while I was thinking about it and the, the absolute essence of the hobbits was those short pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. You know? Yeah, that. pants. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I had made that call that they had short pants and they had kind of short sleeves and you had these these little delicate, you know, um, well, these lovely big hairy feet, actually. But, you know, there was a naivety and a sense of children growing out of their clothes. So that very much. Um, and then the, the colours were very autumnal of those worlds, very, you know, that beautiful time of year when, you know, all the leaves are changing colour. Um, it, it, though that really did inform Hobbits. That's so funny. It's just a little simple nuances really bring to life these characters. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I think if 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 I hadn't thought about it like that, we would have really got ourselves into trouble. You know, sometimes if you overdevelop an idea, you can you can drown. Yeah. I can definitely see that, especially in Return of the King. There's a whole wide range of these worlds specifically. Yeah that you had to create. I've always especially loved Rohan and some of the like Anglo-Saxon Norse influence. How did you approach uh, their design, especially since they do have a little bit more intricate see in terms of um, embroidery? Yeah, well, and this comes back to this thing of switching and talking with Grant um, and seeing what the art department was doing and, you know, making sure that, that, costume wasn't out on its own, that the language that the art department was developing in the Great Hall and, you know, all of the decorative elements that were beginning to appear, it became a bit of a swap meet of ideas. <laughs> and, um, you know, so you'd go over to the art department, you'd see something that they were working on um, and vice versa, you know, like we would start working on an embroidery and, and it is absolutely very much that Anglo-Saxon world that I wanted, you know, like, it, it, and again, because these are such extraordinary books of their time of Englishness, you know, yes. right. it, it, it was, um, and it's funny that, you know, I'm a New Zealander so many steps away from that and you're Americans, you know, we're all the offshoots of, of all of that world. And, um, and, you know, that, looking at medieval costume and and that was one of the other things that I found really interesting as I went along the way was that you you find that you can drift across the centuries but you have to do it really carefully that that at no point do you want to lose your audience while you're doing that you know like you've somehow got to hold them in the world and um and I'm a bit like you you guys. I think this was really successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just all worked. And Miranda was just fabulous. In fact, you know, the casting of this was was pitch perfect. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and we were talking about this quite recently, actually, because it's a, I've been um, working for quite a while this year on a show, which isn't dissimilar you know as in it's a fantasy show and it's 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 in another world you know like it's it's a it's a adjacent world 
And it's always about how far can you push things while holding the audience and making them feel comfortable in that space. Yeah. And yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's a, a really interesting conundrum and and to not overdo and not underdo, no undercooking as you go along the way. And then, you know, at other times, it's just sheer desperation. I've got 24 hours. I need a frock on that girl. Um, (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) do? Yeah. (laughs) Well, like you said, I feel like Rohan was very successful and you almost, it's so immersive. You kind of want to live there. But then when you get to Minas Tirith, I always felt like you were trying to make it where it felt very cold at the same time where it's a little bit more rich and polished, but there's something about that's a little bit more haunting. I mean, it it was meant to be darker. It was meant to be cleaner. It was meant to be richer, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that the world of Rohan was so much more. I mean, I guess in that way it was between the hobbits you know, like you you need that. Um, and also I come back to the build. I mean, the the sort of marble and the coldness to everything, the style of this character. Um, just using the silvers and the greys and the midnight blues and the, you know, like that that sort of that sterile quality was a re- was yeah. a really big part of that. And it, it's kind of odd because it it almost like if you're that immersed in something and you've been at it for that long, it just almost happens all by itself. You know that I mean I I know you know that's probably an incredibly unhelpful thing to say, but <laughs> no, not it, at all. <laughs> it's um, you know, and also what was going on down at Weta, they were you know like they were a few blocks away. You have to get in your car to go to better, um, <laughs> and um, and they just had walls and wall like they had young illustrators up the wazoo there, you know, um, <laughs> trying out ideas. Walls covered in drawings. It absolutely. Um, I used to love to go down there until I didn't, because I realised if I got too caught up in in all of that level of experimentation that I would never be able to get the stuff to set. We'd never get anything finished. And I and I think that that was sort of, you know, the momentum of the shows once we got going. Um, you just had to move quickly, come up with things, solve a problem, and then always stand back and and look at it almost like a cinematographer, really really just look at how that whole color palette was working and um it was it's so it's just really rare and my agent at the time I remember her saying to me what is happening on this is so rare Nyla enjoy it I had no idea what she was talking about (laughs) you're like (laughs) all right whatever (laughs) and um 20 years later I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. came by two it, nerds in America bothering you and emailing you. <laughs> well, but, it, but it's also that thing of the, of the magic of just the right group of people, the right cooking pot at the right time. And will that 
you know, can that repeat itself? Is that um, it can and it can't. And it's like a it's like a magic formula that unless you're a, you know, um, uh, which is a very tough ask here in this part of the world, which is my preferred place to be, is to repeat that magic. And so in a, in a really strange way, when you don't even realise you're doing it, you're searching for it forever. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, that's like, that's pretty dark. <laughs> no, go, no going back. <laughs> Only in the back of your mind. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, the opening of Return of the King is one of my one of my favorite parts of all the movies, especially because we get to see Smeagol before he becomes Gollum. And I'm interested what you wanted um, the audience to know about Smeagol before he finds the ring. You're asking me to dig deep for that one. <laughs> um, I'm just just looking at it, you know, like he he's like the lost cousy, isn't he? Here, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, a good way to put it. And um, you, you know, the one who doesn't fit in. Yeah, and I think that that was probably very much what was going on there. You know, like he's not in light as light and bright as. Um, as our, you know, core Hobbit characters. So there's already a sort of a, you know, off-centre oddity to him as a character. And I would say, you know, like, you know, he is, he is um, if anything, the most hillbilly of the cousins. <laughs> and yeah, I would, uh, and, and just looking at that, that would be where I would say that, you know, the thinking was with... Um, Dear old Smeagol. Yeah, I never noticed, but he does have kind of like an Adams family type quality to him compared to all the hobbits, right? Yeah. It's really oh, like it's so funny. I mean, you know, because you I I have not seen these movies. I've seen them once. What? Oh wow. <laughs> wow. And actually, well, I guess you worked on them. You you you're like, I know this. And also, you you know, um, we used to have to watch dailies every day, <laughs> you know, for years, felt like like so. It um in a, in many respects seeing it is it's it's just full of um I, I think I would forever question everything. Yeah. With it. Yeah. <laughs> and go, God, you know, why did we do that? And what was that about? And um, you know, we obviously didn't get enough sleep that night. Yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah, but you're making me want to go and have a look. Oh yeah, well I have four mark. copies of each DVD, so I could mail you one if you need one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got one. Okay, good. Well, Nyla, I've always wanted to ask you. One of my favorite aspects to costume design is the breakdown, and I oh. think a great example of that is Frodo and Sam, who by the end of the film look horrible in a good way. They've gone through dirt fight scenes, everything. So give us some insight on what your aging and dying breakdown process looked like. I imagine that you must have had workshops upon workshops. Yes and no. I mean, again, uh, I, <laughs> I, I can remember in uh, when we were early in the shoot, we were in Queenstown and we were shooting, you know, I mean, ballpark scene three and scene 503. 
<laughs> and, um, you know, so you're just making these incredibly random guesses as to what will have happened. In my mind, all I kept thinking of was, for God's sake, we're going to have to reshoot scene 503, so we'll just go <laughs> for it and see what happens. <laughs> um, and make these really bold and quite ballsy guesses at, at, at um, where the world would end up and then hope like hell we could fill in the gaps as time went on. And we had... And, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this infinite number of times. I mean, we had so many copies of these costumes that yeah, were all sure. just lined up, you know, waiting to be slotted into a particular part. So you could always <laughs> go back and shoot that bit or you had a reference point. Um, you know, I think there were f- at least 40 of each of the individual costumes. Wow, so that mental could, gymnastics. Yeah, so so <laughs> that you could um you know that you could kind of track and and then hopefully look at what has been shot and figure out whether you can get away with adding more. Um I am an obsessive about breakdown. Like I think it's only got worse over the years and I have <laughs> and I have been lucky to work with some ex- incredibly talented dyers, painters, breakdown artists. And, you know, there are no costumes without those people. And many, well, not many years, but, you know, I was doing a kind of crazy little TV show before Herc and Zena. And I remember um, I had a, a, almost like a pirate coat, a a sea captain coat on a dummy. And I was taking to it with a blowtorch because I knew that there was, you know, there was a particular feel that I wanted and then, you know, paintbrushes. And I had no training in any of these things. I was just, you know. And as you go further into this world and the quality and the talent, um, actually behind me on this wall is um, Captain Hook's waistcoat from um, Peter Pan and Wendy. And... I had, I arrived in Vancouver. I'd never worked in, oh, yes, I had worked in Canada before, but not with this team. Never met any of them before in my life. I landed in the middle of this. I had, I think, 12 weeks um, to pull that show together. And I remember asking the seamstresses to make me up a waistcoat front so I could give it to the breakdown team and say, this is what I want this to look like. Um, you know, I want the salt. I want the age. I want him to be, you know, a dirty, grubby, unseemly chap, Captain Hook. You know, yeah. he's never <laughs> changed. He's not a clean guy. And um, and the girls did this unbelievable job. And I said, I'm taking this home with me and I'm framing it. <laughs> And there it is. it is right there. <laughs> so that's how I feel about breakdown. <laughs> yeah, Nyla's a woman of her word. She's not playing around. <laughs> oh yeah. That's important. It's it's it it is the character. You know, like you can you can create like even if you're creating something that is brand, you know, supposed to be brand new, it has to be aged. It doesn't live in cinema well without a certain level of aging. So that it sort of bonds with the body anyway. There we are. That's enough of that. (laughs) 
Uh, unlike Frodo and Sam, uh, the elves aren't aging. And the costumes are so unique to where they each live geographically. Uh, how did you approach designing the costumes for the elves? Especially since they're so... It's like their whole identity that they are elegant and beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I was. it was really straightforward um, to me. Um, I wanted those incredibly soft colors. They had to be silvery. Um, you know, like they needed to have a sort of glimmer to them. I was obsessed with Fortuny at the time. And um, later I... Um, I, I actually was um, made an arts laureate here in New Zealand, which was a fabulous thing. And you get an amount of money, and that amount of money at the time, I was so broke, it just went into my bank account and life carried on. But I swore that money was to take me to Venice to, um, you know, go to the Fortuny Museum and do all of those sorts of things, and um, which I finally did. And I'm really glad I did. So it was very... Um, steeped in that sort of Art Nouveau quality um, and those velvets, which just drove the on-set girls insane. <laughs> in a good way? <laughs> oh, no, not in a good way. Like trying to keep that, you know, looking but magic on screen. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, just the dying to get those beautiful shades and then, of course, the jewellery team, um, particularly led by Jasmine, you know, it just, she just brought my drawings alive, you know, in an A-plus way. So it was, again, it comes back to simplicity. Um, and I think if there was a golden rule to good filmmaking, it is, you know, here's where all your detail needs to be, you know, in that close-up frame and around the hands and then just let everything else just be is um was a really good recipe particularly for these guys mm. and um yeah and we and then you know figuring out how we could do embroidery when we you know knew nothing about the fact that you know we could whip all this stuff up to China and it would be done in a nanosecond that wasn't possible Right. Um, so hours of pipe stitching later to create all of the embroidery. And of course, that is when I become a bit painful because I knew exactly the shapes that they needed to be. And um, it all like, you know, even now in 2023, it, it, it weirdly stands up, doesn't it? It does. Oh, yeah. It's just like they looked perfect then and today you're like, this is just what I consider perfection, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there's a really funny story about this. There was, there was an elven walk that Peter had um, a tutor, you know, like a, like he wanted a very particular movement to the elves. And it's, you know, like when I'm looking at that one where they're coming through the trees, Mm -hmm. And um, so they all went off to their elven walk training and um, on the day in the forest, it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it was really bad. And I remember Pete going, no, right, no, oh, no. not happening, you know. 
<laughs> I would pay good money to see that. I can't uh, imagine. It was what does weird. that Elvin was, walk look like? <laughs> yeah, it was. It just did not really help things. So no, and I mean, you know, when you look at it, it's there in wearing those costumes, isn't it? It's you know, on a costume like that. You're going to slow down to a kind of meditative state, aren't you? Mm, you feel mm-hmm. elegant. You're um, um, it. It just happens to people. You know, you put on these fabulous wigs, and you know, away they go. And um, that was probably. And I can't. I, I guess I wonder whether um, age and stage. But oh my god, I can remember so many moments on the set of Lord of the Rings when I was distraught tired didn't know you know what to what problem to tackle next and then to stand there for five minutes take a deep breath and look at something kind of happen in front of you and go it's good looks good you can have Mm -hmm. a pat pat on the back before you you know (laughs) Yeah. Go back there yeah. and fight the good fight all over again. <laughs> yeah, you could cry later. This looks really nice. Yeah, yeah or sleep later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Sir Ian McKellen brilliantly plays Gandalf. And in the third film, we know him as Gandalf the White. And I've kind of been like a nerdy philosophy guy about this character for a while. I believe that his costume kind of has like a sense of mythology to the character am i on to something or am i just making this up you're just making it up yeah, <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but i love it and you stick with it <laughs> that's cool and i'm glad we put that to bed <laughs> it, it, it in a way it, it isn't you know you know like how do you reach that it the mythology kind of comes with it happening a lot of thought and a lot of effort went into what fabrics were used. And, you know, you you would endlessly have heard stories about that goddamn hat, you know, like, is it big enough? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, you know, and the fact that it lived in a dustbin <laughs> is it was the only place where you could keep them. And then it got thrown out because it was a dustbin. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, like that kind of, country quality that to to move and in a, in a way it is very true that it, it that it does become mythological because he begins in that rough country wizard state very much a part of the hobbit world and as we move through we're revealing who he truly is which is outside of time and place and and you know, in that final scene, I, that cloak, um, I remember how much it mattered to me how fine that cloak was. That it was virtually see-through, but it still had all of the qualities of the original, sort of almost peasant, you know. Like it, and and so in that respect, you are not wrong, my friend. Mm, I just okay. don't recognize it as my journey until I look back at it and go those are the kinds of things that you're reaching for and sometimes it takes people outside to see you know what's happened versus the the you know the people who are in 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 the good fight right well i mean i'm glad we could talk about that and we're all kind of putting our minds together, together. 
<laughs> said yeah. I was going to try to help make you think, Nyla. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to avoid thinking. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> I love this. Scene. This, I love this scene as well. Um, especially because there's so much storytelling. They're showing Middle Earth coming together. And it's the start of new and very different lives for everybody involved. Uh, what was your direction behind this scene and how did the fabrics and textiles uh, play a role throughout your process of the trilogy? We should mention this is the coronation scene at the end of Return of the King, too. Yeah, um, I've got a pencil drawing of that floating around here somewhere. Yeah, it's, God, I don't know. I know this was very, we were exhausted. This was right at the end. It became much, much bigger. Um, it was a huge effort when everybody was just out of ideas, imagination. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember that, you know, like searching and searching and searching for what colour to put live in. You know, like it, it, it no color seemed right. And I remember that really clearly. You know, like we were trying this and trying that. And I was just like, no, 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 it's not working. And, you know, not in a mean way. It was more, I'm going to cry way. It's not working. <laughs> I can't. What is that color? Um, and I don't know how or when or whether it was in the drawing. You're going to make me, I'm going to go looking for this. But that green, it tells a story all by itself. And the at the minute that I found that color, it's such a weird color, huh? Oh yeah. In it is, it says spring. It says renewal. It says future. And um, and so once you've got the color, everything else is just happening all by itself. You know, live stresses were incredibly simple because. She was just such a magnificent young woman, just so extraordinary, um, just so beautiful. And um, and then the, you know, again, back like the the how much more could I have added without turning it into a full crown? So to hold that crown in elven world and elven design. And then, you know, and and I remember looking at it and then wanting, you know, more and more and just a beautiful, it, yeah, it's a, that is as close to perfect as you can get when you're, you know, in a, it was, it was a really stunning moment. And I think it was shot really quickly, almost dismissively, oh, scene, oh, wow. you know, like, just because, you know, you, you forget that when you're looking at something on screen, you think, but it was just something that had to be done. And um, and I almost feel for the costume department, and I could be completely wrong about this, but this is the memory that I have. The shot in the back of the studio, not far from the costume shop, piles of rubble here, there, and everywhere that have been kind of cleared <laughs> away and, you know, this area. Um, um and it was, it was, um, you know, it was a just we need to get this sort of moment. And all the costume team were down there just having a moment, but the moment was very short. 
Right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, you, you don't you don't necessarily get to go, you know, oh, how wonderful, look what we did. Um, yeah, beautiful, if I say yeah. so. I, I got chills when you mentioned renewal and spring. That's such yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, it was a, it was, you know, and I mean it is the it it really is the only romance in the film, isn't it? Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's um we follow these two through and um it's it's such a I don't know, it just just l- lets everybody breathe after all of that, you know. The stuff Pete really likes, you know, the battles and the blood and, the whole, you know, we need a bit of romance and there it yeah. is. Yeah, it's definitely a breath of fresh air after everything that happened. Exactly. There you are. Yes. It's a great yeah. payoff. And every time I watch a film, I'm usually just blown away by the sheer scale of this film. So I want to take this moment to really talk about um, collaboration, which I could imagine, as we've talked about, is so essential to the process, especially this film. So uh, what was it like just reflecting, working with your crew, Sir Richard Taylor, of course, and maybe even the visual effects department, who must have had a huge role, perhaps, in creating some of the characters like the Dead Men of the Hill, who might have been a part of the process? Visual effects, not so much, because inevitably all of that is going to happen afterwards and very much on the show. But Richard, Weta, costume, um, props, you know, it was really one big family. And, you know, like big families, we had big fights. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> large army scale fights yeah you know like it, you know we would get really pissed with each other and i reckon all of us had good reason so you know none of us can be let off the hook for that one but in the in the in that you know final tradition of family we're going to come together and get the job done and um so there was a lot of toing and froing you know like like you know I'm sure the the guys down at Weta wanted to kill me one day, and I wanted to go down and kill them, and <laughs> and um, none of us did. And I think we still really like each other and respect each other. <laughs> but but that is but that's the passion, you know, like how much we all how much it mattered. And you know, I would hope that in filmmaking, ultimately, you never lose that. It's it's you know that 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 fight for ideas. And um, I mean, we, we just you just don't know, you know, like it, this this was um, Fran and Pete's just guts to go through everything they went through. I mean. There were some horrible times because everybody was very tired at one point because Pete couldn't tell from a drawing anymore whether it was what he wanted or didn't want. So we were in, we would end up making three dresses for every one that was going to go on screen. Jeez. <laughs> and that was really tough. That was really tough for everybody. But in the end, it was the smart thing to do, you know, like was to just be gritty and go for it. And um, when I was trying to be positive about it, I would go, well, you know, 
it's such an opportunity to test our ideas and we can we've always got a place to use what we haven't put on those people um on those actors you know or they can recycle into something else i'm not sure whether that ever happened but you know that was my happy place. <laughs> right <laughs> oh my god what a hair well all the passion certainly paid off in just a having such a beautiful seamless classic trilogy and the return of the king won numerous awards including the academy award for best costume design how did it feel to receive such recognition and looking back what has the experience on lord of the rings meant to you um, well, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to the Academy for having costume design almost the first award at the, that <laughs> night. Yeah. I think if I'd been, you know, if it had been number 15 or 20, I would have been an absolute wreck. And I had this, um, I had been told, um, I'd been, I'd been at a hairdresser's and I it was <laughs> getting that lovely hairdo. And <laughs> I had um, there was it was it was a Sunday, so it was closed. And there was my Japanese hairdresser that I knew really well from time in LA. But there was one other woman there getting her hair done, and she was obviously someone from a costume department. But she was talking to her hairdresser and saying, "Well, I think you, you know, um, Nyla Dixon's. She's not going to win because she's going to count herself out because." Of course, I had Last Samurai at the same in the same ceremony, and she said she's going to split the vote, and it's going to go to I can't remember which oh, one. Oh, what horrible math! Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, oh my god, that's true. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, in a way, I had completely resolved in my mind that there was no way we were going to win for costume, and. Um, but then I also had this kind of terrible dread that if I won for Last Samurai, I would be a headline in the papers in New Zealand saying, Dixon ruins Jackson's quick clean sweep. Oh, no, that's horrible. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's a really happy Nyla face. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and I remember standing on the stage and the wonderful Ken Watanabe was in the front row, and Nicole obviously was in the front row, and Nicole Kidman. And you know, while most people are just zoned out in the, in the ceremonies, which you know, um, both Ken and Nicole were right there with me. I remember it so clearly. You know, like they really were while I was talking on my side, my friends, my you know, I've never met Nicole in my life. So then what, looking back on all this, what has this experience meant to you just personally and professionally as you went on from Lord of the Rings to look back just with utmost gratitude, joy, proud, a little bit of a headache? <laughs> all of the above, you yeah. know, it's completely surrounded by emotion um, on every level. As I said before, I am still and will always be a massive fan of my team um, who we continue to work together as a team for a lot of years. And now, you know, um, people like Lizzie are doing, designing their own shows and, you know, like this extraordinary 
creative people have come out of this world. And um, it's it allowed me to be able to work in the world while living here in New Zealand, which I love. You know, I'm a true wanderer. And I and the one thing I do know about myself is, you know, you back me into a corner and I'm going to get out of it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, costume designer Nyla Dixon, this has been a true honor. I can't tell you how yes. grateful for you that uh, you came and talked with us. This is this has been an absolute joy. So thank you for talking with us. Yes. Thank I, you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hope we meet somewhere someday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. do you have anything you want to plug? Any fun films coming up or everything hush-hush? Everything's a bit hush-hush right now. But, you know, um, Well, hopefully. everyone listening, just search the internet. See if you can yes. figure out what Nyla's doing. <laughs> 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 Once again, thank you, Nyla. This has been wonderful. Okay, you guys, you take care. Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the podcast, here to let you know that if you wanted to support the show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome TeePublic merch with the podcast logo, such as a shirt, coffee mug, stickers, and of course, a baby onesie. Thanks for all your support. Yeah, I feel like I've fallen and I can't get up right now. Like I need, <laughs> I need help. That was such a fun interview. Right? It was everything I ever wanted. Honestly, I love Nyla Dixon, and I just feel like I feel like the biggest costume nerd right now. Just overall nerd, right? on top of the moon. Don't have words. I know, and I'm just, I don't know. I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just don't know what to say. I know, especially because like I was just telling Spencer, I was like, I had to keep all my fangirl like inside <laughs> yeah. and be a professional and not freak out <laughs> I, I was really trying to i feel like i slipped a little bit more than you did because my costume narrative level was right on the edge oh, yeah. the entire time it was i'm just i'm just thankful i'm like a shy person with new people in general like that like that anxiety just helped roll me in <laughs> <laughs> man but we learned so much i mean i, I know. she went she, you know, she said multiple times that, you know, we probably already know this or that. But what's funny is there actually really isn't a lot of recorded history of the costume design of the Lord of the Rings. It's all no. kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say made up, but it's like assumptions, which is why I yeah. was talking about the assumptions behind Gandalf and whatnot, because it's really not well documented. Maybe in the behind the scenes on the DVDs, but, yeah. you know, that's about it. And it's like the articles I was reading about it, they're kind of, you know, they're basic, like, and they're, they're on the older side. And I feel like I bring this up almost every episode, like, <laughs> you know, 15, 20 years ago, like journalists weren't scrambling to like talk to costume designers and like record, like, you know, 
their thoughts and feelings and processes like in the moment when things are happening uh, like we do today. So it, it was exciting to hear like, yeah, I feel like she sometimes she started out with things like we'd heard or read before but then she went into detail which mm-hmm. was so exciting yeah we i've i feel like we built a pretty good record here and i'm just i'm eternally grateful to nyla dixon for joining us it was a process we've been working with her for maybe two months trying to get this to happen and yeah. it happened and i'm just super happy and grateful so um Thank you for making that happen. Cause I remember you were like, I'm going to go track her down. <laughs> and I was like, good luck with that, Spencer. Yeah, no, honestly, I didn't believe not in sure. myself. <laughs> Elizabeth, I think we need to play our favorite game one last time for this year. Yes. All right, let's do it. Daniel, hit it. The one costume to rule them all. Spencer. For the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, what is your one costume to rule them all? So I'm actually very excited about this because I've had my costume has changed now after that interview, which is quite monumental if you think about it for someone who watches this movie every single day, you know, their entire life. Yes. (laughs) Um, The way that Nyla talked about Arwen's coronation dress at the end, the green color, the idea that spoke to spring and awakening and hope and all of that storytelling. I I loved that. It was just like, it really took me onto the side of that dress. And I just felt, I literally got chills when she was talking about it. Cause it was just, cause when you think about it, it's such like a great period to put at the end of this entire trilogy. And it's so subtle, just like in the colors of this costume. So I just thought that was just masterclass costuming and that that would not have been my original choice i probably would have said something like gandalf or any of the examples of armor aragorn's armor but yeah i'm team arwen foley with this film in particular and spencer like what is your problem can you hear that yeah i heard the cat meow this time (laughs) (laughs) erwin we get it this is a big moment for you i (laughs) know I know that one of the people who created your namesake was just here, but you slept through it. So don't try and come in here now and act like you are part of the conversation. You had your chance, Kitty, and you blew it. <laughs> I really was hoping you were bring the cat out during the podcast, but I don't I, know how Nyla would have <laughs> reacted to the cat. Here's my cat, Eowyn. <laughs> she would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, see, okay, so this is going to be my thing. If this did, like if Eowyn just like started bothering us. Yeah. I was going to be like, this is my cat, Eowyn. She's 17 years old. I got oh her as gosh. a kid. <laughs> Jeez. It's <laughs> be like, I named her as a child. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Elizabeth, what was your one costume rule them all? Spencer, honestly, I could not have a group. I, I, it's the green dress. I couldn't agree more. Originally, it was Eowyn's armor because... It's, it's a good one. That's probably my second. A, yeah. Yeah. And it's such a badass moment especially you know the lord of the rings like it's a it's a male dominated story (laughs) there's no getting around that yeah but what i do love about it is that the women that are in it they are not passive Mm -hmm. characters especially not eowyn and 
she comes alive in that armor and she does the most. <laughs> yeah, she saves the day. She does. But that green dress, like talking about it, hearing the story, how it how she got to that place where it was something so full of meaning. It's just it's perfect. And it it kind it caps off just the story, like the story of everyone but the hobbits. Like obviously, like they we get a little bit more of what they go on to do. But for Aragorn, Arwen, Eowyn, Legolas, Gimli, like all of them, like it's capped off in that moment with that green dress to be like, okay, here's the new beginning. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Man, that really like rocked my whole world when Nyla talked about that dress. I thought she was going, oh yeah, we picked green because, you know, elves and they like the forest. But no, she dug that dagger right into my heart. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's so good. So good. Oh, Elizabeth. And that brings us to the end of this entire season. Season three. That's a wrap. I know. I know. It's wild. Uh, but if you all want to tell us what your one costume rule them all is from the return of the king, or maybe just throughout the entire season, what were some of your favorite episodes and uh, costumes? Leave us a voicemail at 626-515-1826. Remember, we don't pick up the phone. It's just a voicemail box. So it just goes directly to a nice little pile for us to listen to. And you can email us at theartofcostume at gmail.com. And the art of costume podcast will return January 16th, 2024. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we won't be going away completely. We'll still be on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod, on TikTok at the Art of Costume. It's the holidays. If you need a little gift for your favorite costume nerd or just a little something to keep you warm in these winter months, you can get some Art of Costume merch at theartofcostume.com slash pod store. And if you would like to give us a wonderful, very much appreciated gift this holiday season, please leave us a five-star text review on Apple Podcasts. That would be the gift that just keeps on giving. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, it has been an absolute pleasure working alongside you on this season. And a big shout out to Daniel, our audio engineer, who has worked from beginning to end on all these episodes. A lot of bonus interview episodes of costume designers. So please just like a round of applause for Daniel. We love you. It won't be possible without you. It won't be possible without all of you listening. It has been an incredible season and we love you all and we'll be back in January. So I can't wait. Thank you and see you then. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.
<laughs> Sorry. Anyone just gave me a weird look. <laughs>